We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, there's not much going on in the NBA this time of year. I think the whole league is waiting on a Kevin Durant trade, which may or may not happen. Durant has reaffirmed his trade request to Brooklyn Nets ownership. He said, it's me or Sean Marks and Steve Nash. But we don't know if the Nets are going to move him. So while the whole league just sort of sits around and waits to see if Kevin Durant's going to be traded, if KD's traded, maybe Kyrie's going to the Lakers, a lot of dominoes can fall. While that all happens, there's just, you know, some, some general small bits of news happening in the NBA right now. And the first one centers on Nikola Vucevic, as far as the Bulls are concerned. Vuce entering the final year of his contract that will pay him $22 million. Joe Cowley, my old buddy of the Chicago Sun-Times, reports that the Bulls and Vooch have had internal discussions on a contract extension. Jason, when you heard that report, what was your first thought? Um, I think I saw it when I was at a Cubs game, kind of drunk, so I didn't really think much. <laughs> That's I didn't right mindset to see that news. <laughs> yeah, I didn't thing. really think that much about it. Uh, you know, like, thinking we've obviously talked about the Vooch situation a lot, and I've, once they, like, didn't trade him and for like Rudy Gobert and all that kind of stuff. I kind of wondered if this kind of thing would pop up, like he's expiring. They didn't trade him. Uh, like maybe they talk about an extension to like, I don't know, try to add some more like trade value, make him happy for the next season or two. I believe that the most they could offer is like four years, like 118, 109, something like that million Obviously, you're not doing that. No, in no way, shape, or form should the Bulls give Vooch like a big extension. If they want to give him like I I'm pretty sure they can give him a one year. I was trying to I wrote something for Forbes today about this. Uh and I believe they can give him a one year extension. Maybe they get a Cowley suggested one year and then a player option for like 24, 25. If you want to do something like that at like a really cheap 
maybe not really a cheap price, but I mean, something less than what he's making now. Like you said, 22 million, like something probably under 20 million a year. Maybe you're looking 15 million a year, something like in that area. It's like, like a two year, 15, like, like two year, like 30 million, maybe up to like 40 million, like at most, like I could at least, I could get behind it. Like for as much shit as we've given Booch and as frustrating as he was last season, like he's still pretty productive, put up like 17, 18 points a game, great rebound or so 11 points, 11 rebounds a game, three assists. We know we've talked about how important his playmaking is as a playmaking hub. His defense is like, is fine when the bulls have a healthy roster with like Lonzo and Caruso. I wrote this in the thing at Forbes, they play that those three played together for 200 minutes. Uh, last year, the defensive rating was 97. Wow. When Vooch played without those two guys on the court, it was like 115. So, like, obviously, Great we know bad. how the Bulls built their team was the d- perimeter defense from like the outside and then in using the perimeter defense, forcing turnovers. That's how they built their team. And that's why once those two guys get hurt, everything fell apart. So, like, Vooch is passable defensively if you have the right guys in front of him. Uh, the Bulls are hoping they have that. We're going to talk Lonzo in a little bit here. So, like, we've talked a lot about moving Vooch. I've gone like, I've gone to the extremes to be like, this guy can't be back. This guy can't be back. But like, again, it is, you do have to replace him and find someone better. And I've talked about like, maybe they just need a different type of player. Uh, even if maybe he's not quite as good as Vooch in a vacuum. But again, if you want to give him something, a short-term deal at a reasonable price, like I said, maybe that helps with trade value as long as he doesn't like totally fall off a cliff uh, next season. And if he has another like decent season, uh, and he's on whatever a short extension, like that's at least a tradable piece that's like not awful, and you can include it in, in a deal if you do like pivot to like to trade him. Uh, so like I don't totally hate it. I'm not going to totally dismiss it. Again, it, that all totally depends on how big it is and how long they do. Because again, he's thir- he's going to be 32 going into this season. He's, I think he th- turns 32 in a couple months, in a month or two. You can't be making long term commitments commitments to this guy. No, they they traded a lot to get him. Uh, to kind of kick off this new direction, but and that value doesn't look that great right now. We've talked about that as well. So you can't like whatever sink the cost even more and like give them a huge deal. If they can find some type of short-term deal, I can talk myself into it being okay uh, for the reasons I stated. How about you? Yeah, I think that a Vooch extension scares me quite a bit, but I get it just from the sense of protecting the asset because yeah. if Vooch were to walk away, right this upcoming off season, sort of what are the bulls going to do in that situation? Like just having him as a contract you can trade is pretty valuable. When we talk about an extension, I think a one plus one would be in the bulls best interest with that plus one being a team option, trying to make that some sort of non-guaranteed deal. Now is Vooch going to agree to that? I'm not really sure. Maybe if you juice up next year enough, you know, at 20 million, uh, potentially he could do that. Now Vooch is about to turn 32 years old. When I think about how he can have a successful season next year, it really just comes down to shooting the three ball. Because as we've said in this podcast 9,000 times, the Bulls were 30th in three-point rate, dead last, and the percentage of field goals they took from three-point range. Vooch was one of their higher volume shooters. The problem is he only hit 31.4% of his threes last year. Now, the year before that, on the season, he hit 40% of his threes on 6.3 attempts per game. That was the year he split time between the Magic and the Bulls. What jumps out about that 2020-2021 season? Jason, there were no fans in the stands. You look at the rest of Nikola Vucevic's career shooting splits, and he really has not been a particularly good shooter at all. 
So if there is an outlier in his shooting splits, it's that year with no fans when he was able to hit 40 percent. Uh, the year before that, he hit so 1924. 34, then 36 on under three attempts per game. So, you know, the 34 was solid. That was 4.7 4. attempts. If he could hit 34% of his threes on 4.7 attempts per game next year, I think that that would help the Bulls a little bit. But really, they need him to be at or above 35% if this team is going to be as good as it wants to be. The other thing about Vooch is we know that he is very slow and that sort of limits his ability to erase mistakes defensively. Now, I agree with you that Vooch has been uh, more capable than some would consider him to be on the defensive end to this point in his career. But will his defense get worse as an agent? I mean, he's only going to get slower. And I remember watching Vince Carter when Vince Carter was towards the end of his career and my buddy John Charks had a, had a point about Vince that sticks in my head. It's like your athletic elevator for anyone is going to dip the older you get. Yeah. Right. But if you start off at a Vince Carter level, even when that athleticism starts to dip, you're still higher than a lot of guys. What Julius Irving was dunking in his six. Right. <laughs> so with Vooch being such a poor athlete, even in the prime of his career and, you know, looking at the, combine testing numbers. I think Vooch has one of the five worst vertical jumping numbers (laughs) in the history of the NBA combine. That's when he was 21 or whatever. So now he's, you know, 32, about to turn 32. I do worry a bit about his defense. We've heard a lot of smoke with the Bulls and Jakob Pertl. It kind of reminds me a bit of Lonzo, where like there was a lot of smoke before they eventually landed Lonzo. Pertl is not a superstar, but he is a better defensive center than Vooch. He also can't shoot the ball whatsoever. He would give you no threat of spacing the floor from three point range. Uh, And he, you know, was just less potent offensively overall than Vooch. There's no doubt about that, but would upgrade the defense. Uh, I do wonder if the bulls are already eyeing the opportunity to like dump Vooch, try to take on, you know, uh, another player back on a matching contract. And listen, man, the Bulls need those contracts to make trades because you look at this roster right now, there's not even a lot of tradable contracts. Like if you wanted to go out and get like a Contavious Caldwell Pope, a guy who got traded this offseason to Denver, you know, you need to match the salaries as an over-the-cap team. And the Bulls don't even really have many salaries they can throw at teams. So when it comes to extending Vooch, I would be uh, I would be down if it's on very team-friendly terms. But if I'm Vooch, I'm looking around the league and I'm like. A lot of teams are going to have cap space next year. You know, you could see him hitting the open market and maybe signing an inflated one or two year deal on a team with cap space. So, you know, it's just sort of hard to find a suitor for Vooch around the league too. like uh, his game is pretty ball dominant. Being a poor defensive center is always going to be something that sort of limits your market. I would say center is definitely the top position where teams tend to value defense more than offense. So it's a it's a tough situation for the Bulls. It's probably the reason they should have traded him uh, <laughs> before they got to this point. And I'm just going to say, as a fan, I think it's pretty scary that the Bulls are sitting here thinking about giving Vooch, uh, you know, a two year, forty million dollar extension. To me, that's like, oh God, I don't want to do that at all. So <laughs> I understand. I understand what goes into it. Like, if the last year is non guaranteed, I think that makes them yeah. a lot easier. It's like, will Vooch agree to that, though? Right. That's obviously you need two to tango here. And uh, right. The three point shooting is obviously really, especially as he gets gets older, like and he can't move as much like 
shooting, being able to shoot those threes is huge. And like it was, we, we saw in the playoff series against the Bucks, he took over eight threes a game in that Bucks series. Again, 31% missing a bunch of open looks. And it's just like, they need him to get more up, by, up to like league average around, like you said, 34, 35%. Um, and like the lack of athleticism definitely just like hurts him also like in his inside game as well. I feel like he doesn't shoot free. He doesn't get to the line. So like not a great defender and he's not that he's not really an efficient player either. Like his true shooting percentage was 53. Uh, so like as productive as he is, and like he is more pro- again, pretty productive, pretty offensive versatility wise. Like he's a decent, okay shooter for a big man. He's a good passer. So he does still bring some like a pretty unique skill set for a guy his size, but just like declining his shooting numbers took a huge dip. His, he doesn't shoot free throws. Uh, his defense, you need guys around him to like make him a passable defender. It's just like, yeah. And that, I mean, that, and that's why. And just, it was really frustrating to watch him last year. He did, he ended up shooting like okay, like field goal percentage wise, got up to 47% after like his awful start where he just couldn't make anything around the basket. He quietly closed the year very strong. Yeah. Like At shooting least the scoring efficiency. Field goal percentage. Yeah. And he had like he had stretches where he was averaging 20 and 10. He like looked like the all-star version of himself. Just can he do that for a full season? Can he do that when it really matters? Because playoff numbers, I think it was like 19, 12, and three. But again, 44% from the field, 31% from three. And it was just like, and it just wasn't wasn't good enough. Obviously, the Bulls did not lose to the Bucks because of Vooch. Uh their whole offense was awful. They couldn't make any shots. They were just not, they're not a better team than the Bucks. Whatever. But like if the Bulls are going to take that next step, can they do that with Vooch as their starting center, given the rest of the roster? You know, I don't, I don't know. But again, the issue is finding someone better than him. And like Jakob Portal is somebody you mentioned. We've talked about guy. If you look, if they're not, they, they didn't get Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Obviously, they, they weren't, they couldn't match that. I mean, looking at other centers around the league, like who are you going to get that's better than him or even a better fit? We've mentioned Pirtle. We've talked about Miles Turner before, but like, is he actually that good either? Not really the idea of Miles Turner is better. So it's like, again, I do understand the idea of trying to lock him up for like another year or two at a reasonable price. And if you do, if you're worried about not that you won't get better at, at the position, you're trying to win now still, and that you try to get the last bit you can out of Vooch and maybe you trade him uh, in a year or two or this year. I mean, if the bulls go belly up this season, they suck. I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if they deal him, if, even if they did, I'm not sure if they sign him an extension now, when they would be able to trade him next. I'm assuming there'd be like a few months. I'd have to look that up, but yeah, I don't know. It is, it is definitely like a, my art, uh, the headline of my Forbes thing was like, you got to tread lightly here. You don't, you can't just be going out and giving Vooch like whatever he wants. Uh, you got to be smart about it. Because uh, you just can't be committing to a thirty near thirty two year old center who's declined last season and could very well decline even more. Yeah, we're already on our wits end about Vooch. If he slips another, let's say ten percent this year, and they give him an extension, people are going to lose their shit. We're all going to be losing our shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I think tread lightly is a kind and accurate way to put it when yeah. you're talking about a potential Nikola Vucevic extension. I get the idea of protecting the asset, though, man. But at a certain point, if you extend yeah. him, like, does it become bad money yeah, just to right. try to move him and get on off someone else? So, yeah, uh, yeah right. Exactly. That's why, you know, you need the non-guarantee. If you get yeah. the non-guarantee, then you can trade him. He can be cut. But why would he agree to that? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah. tough situation. Yeah, I mean, he was just uh, an all-star, like, what, two years ago? Like, two, he, like so, like, he still probably thinks, like, he's 
should get a lot of money and should get guaranteed money. So it's like, it's a tough, it, it is a tough spot to be in with his age. Uh, he still is, has a pretty big role, but like where he's on the downside of his career, where the bulls are at as a team, it is just a weird spot to be in for these kind of negotiations. Moving on. Uh, I mentioned Lonzo ball. We talked about how important Lonzo is. We've talked to Ed Nossi about how important Lonzo is. There was, I guess you could call it, kind of a positive update I, it's still i feel like more on like the vague uh vague update type deal but uh jamal collier of espn formerly i believe of the chicago tribune uh was appeared on nba today the other day and said that he heard from a whatever a lot someone in lonzo's camp here's a, here this is from bleacher nation they transcribed this uh, from Jamal when he was on ESPN. I've talked to somebody in Lonzo's camp that is expressing some confidence that he'll be ready to go for the start of the season, but just me speculating, I could see them slow playing Lonzo a little bit to make sure he's hundred percent and really ready to go. Because you saw the way their season changed in January. So of course there's that, but there and like, of course, Lonzo's camp is going to try to express some confidence and uh, put out a good or put out, put on that kind of face and that be like, Oh yeah, like he's screwed. Like he's not going to be ready to start the season. So it's like, you could kind of argue that this is somewhat of a step in the right direction, but like before we see him out there, like playing games before the bulls themselves give like an actual positive update on Lonzo. I feel like this is just more of the same vague. I'll believe it when I see it kind of stuff. And especially when you have Jamal talking about, well, you know, like I might see him slow playing, which just leads me to believe that he won't be ready to start the season. uh, Still. What did you make of uh, Jamal's report there? Talk to someone in Lonzo's camp that expressed confidence he'll be ready to go for the start of the season. Is this the first ever optimistic Lonzo Ball injury update? Because we have not had one since he suffered the initial injury in January. I guess, I guess Billy, wrong, Billy, Billy kind of said that he was moving in the right direction. Like, uh, he, yeah, was it a week or so ago, two weeks ago, he said Lonzo appears to continue to move in a very, very positive direction. So like, again, like we, I think with the couch, this like they're kind of optimistic, but it's still just like the same vague stuff. There's no, like no guarantees. Like with any of this stuff, it's just like, Oh, you know, he seems like he'll be, he's moving in the right direction. Like, Oh, optimistic that he'll be ready by the start of the season. So it's like, you can say it's positive, but it, like, is it really that positive? I, I'm just such in a, like a believe when I see it mode with him. Here's the other thing. Kendrick Nunn, Lakers signee also had the bone bruise missed all of last year, basically with the bone bruise. I don't think he played a game last year. He did me if I'm wrong. He still has not been cleared for five on five. That was an update this past week. So the bone bruise when it's on your knee is an extremely scary injury. And if Lonzo is fully ready to go at training camp, that would be the number one thing that would make me excited, like super excited yeah. about this whole season. Absolutely. You know, it's like the old White Sox phrase, like getting a healthy Lonzo ball back is like making an offseason addition. Right. Right. But uh, the Bulls didn't make any offseason additions, at least not any good ones. So just getting Lonzo back is the best we can hope for. Color me pessimistic just because of the Kendrick Nunn situation, because like we really have have not heard anything like concrete about Lonzo, like fully being good to go when he starts to ramp up, not experiencing pain. Uh, and the Bulls just need him so desperately. Like, I think Lonzo is one of the more underrated players in the entire league uh, because when the Bulls didn't have him, they obviously fell apart. He fills role. He, like, checks boxes in key areas 
with the volume three-point shooting, the three-point accuracy, his ability to defend across the entire positional spectrum, really. He's not a one through five defender because no one is, but who takes, like, what nominal point guard takes on bigs better than Lonzo Ball? Like, we saw him go toe-to-toe with a lot of, like, natural power forwards, and he held his own or thrived in those situations. His switchability, I think, is one of just the keys to the Bulls being so good, and that's not even to mention his ability to kickstart the transition attack. So clearly the Bulls really need Lonzo. Uh, I'm not, like, going to throw a parade for Jamal saying that he talks to someone in his camp and they expect optimism he's ready to go. Like, I don't know. I'm fully with you. What what else are they going to say? Is his camp really going to come and be like, oh, yeah, he's not he's not going to be ready to start the season. Like that would just be they'd be better off just keeping their mouths shut in that case. So. So if Kendrick's not cleared yet by the Lakers, when do we hear if the Bulls have cleared Lonzo Ball? And now even if the Bulls do clear Lonzo Ball. How long? I'm not going to trust him because we've been through this song and dance before over the last decade of the Bulls clearing injured players. But that would at least be, you know, a step in the right direction of yeah. the team believing he's ready to play. Right, yeah, yeah, I would take that as a concrete, like, all right, this is a positive. He's ready to play, whatever. even if he's not ready to play in, like, games yet, but, like, cleared for, like, full basketball activities. Like, that's a concrete, step, like, concrete positive update. Again, we still have a month and a half till training camp. Uh, so hopefully... He just does keep going in a positive direction like Billy Donovan claimed and that it happens because as we've just talked about a million times, as you just said, he's so important to this team. Uh, I, I, yeah. And a lot of the, like, I keep like thinking, like looking at these projections, I saw like ESPN, I think did, I don't know if that was Kevin Pelton, but they did like their, whatever Eastern they're doing their projections for the season. They had the bulls at 44 and 30, 38, which is like seventh or eighth in the East, which is about where I think they, they, is sounds about right. We talked about this in our last pod uh, last week, but like, I mean, that's just like not inspiring. Like 44 wins is like whatever. Uh, and that, but that's like kind of where we're at right now. Just be, especially with Lonzo after this off season of not doing much. And on that note, David Aldridge is ranking his off seasons. He had the bulls at 15th, which you, I know you would probably say that's generous. I would probably argue maybe a little generous as well, but honestly, I think that's perfect. 15th mediocre right in the middle of the pack, just a boring ranking for a boring off season. Number 15 sounded perfect, but like because yeah. of that, because of Lonzo's injury, we're just, it's just kind of casting a pall over this team and kind of uh, nuking some of the expectations and excitement for him. Just like Lonzo being healthy and looking good again, but I think really just like rise or raise uh, just the vibes around the team. Again, I feel like Lonzo played such a big part in those good vibes early in the season and really just hope Uh, that he'll be ready. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Another guy who is going to be very important for this Bulls team, of course, is Patrick Williams. And uh, he uh, joined DeMar at the Drew League. DeMar's been balling out like all summer in the Drew League. We saw him playing with LeBron James uh, a few weeks ago. And he was and he was playing with Pat because uh, I know they all those guys are out there uh, playing or doing workouts and stuff. And they played in the Drew League the other day. Uh, and obviously, when we're in NBA August, this kind of stuff, people are always just like digging deep doing some deep film work. Our guy, Will Gottlieb from SGHO, uh, CHGO, SGHO, what the hell am I talking about? CHGO put together a little video, a two minute video of Pat's kind of his plays from the Drew League. And obviously all all caveats must apply. This is the Drew League. Guys are kind of fucking around, uh, not always playing, half-assing, all that kind of stuff. You can never really take too much from all these pro-am games and these workouts that people gush over during the summer. But Still, it's fun to watch, kind of see, especially a guy like Patrick Williams going into his third season who we're expecting to take a, take a leap here. Um, he had 14 points, 14 rebounds, three steals. Uh, some people might say that he, a guy like Patrick Williams, number four pick, should be putting up 30 points in these games like DeMar is. Uh, sure, whatever. Again, you don't want to put too much into this, but watching that video, like he showed off and I think the big takeaway is like, you know, his handle looked a bit tighter. And like he was doing some nifty stuff as a ball handler between the legs, drives, stuff like that. And he also was some hit ahead passes uh, were kind of good as well. Again, all caveats apply, but like saw some nice things there. You know, don't want to make any conclusions there. What did you, I don't know, I said, don't want to take any takeaways, but like, what did you see from that video? Are you excited? Any more excitement from Patrick Williams based on what we can take? from this drew league jason kyle kuzma just scored 67 <laughs> in the utah pro-am and patrick williams scored 14 in the drew league not exactly encouraging uh honestly though i'm not taking anything away from some drew league footage yeah. i think that there is nothing good that can happen from analyzing pickup uh for as Fair. meaningless as like pat williams like going to summer league would have been this is like way way way, way more meaningless <laughs> yeah. so i'm not really going to put any stock whatsoever into it. I will say he looks pretty jacked. Like he just looks bigger a little bit. I think you mentioned the tighter ball handling. That was very apparent in one clip that was highlighted by our boy Laro on Twitter. Everyone make sure you follow Laro. 
one of the best uh, Bulls guys out there. So I, that in that one clip where basically he goes between his legs 20 times, drives to the rim and misses a dunk, I thought that was pretty impressive. I think like, you know, you I'm thinking of like Miles Bridges as sort of a guy who is similar to Pat in terms of positional archetype. Uh, heading into last season, he made a big jump in his production because he improved his ball handling. So Cam Patrick Williams ruined his career and then ruined his career like a huge idiot because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But can Patrick Williams make a similar leap in production by improving his ball handling? I think that that's possible, right? right? Uh, And that's a Bulls are clearly hoping, banking on. And then the other thing I'll say from those clips is he has not sped up his three-point release yet. In the the first shot of the game he took was a long three that he He drained. But still a rainbow, still a very long, slow windup. And it brings me back to the point that I've been saying on this podcast for a long time. I just don't think Patrick Williams is going to be good or extremely good. The player that we want him to be, if his role is going to be as a catch and shoot guy, he's going to have to speed up the release. It's been a problem for him since college. It's unbelievable that the bulls have not hired someone on the developmental staff to work with him on this. Cause it, it can legitimately be a make or break skill for him. He has good touch as a shooter. Yeah. But his numbers, his percentage is good. It's just doesn't take enough of them. 51% of his threes, I believe last year in 17 games in the regular season, double check those numbers. If you want to call me out, but he has been like a above 40% three point yeah. shooter in his two years in the league. The issue is he can't shoot on volume. Yeah. He can only really take wide open shots because the shots too damn slow. And you know, as guys who watched every game, I don't think there's a stat to track record scratches, but <laughs> anyone who watched the Bulls know that Patrick Williams, Io DeSumo, a lot of these other guys put Derek Jones in there, maybe Javante. Turn down too many open threes. The offense stalls. You end up getting a worse shot because you're too scared to take the open shot over a legitimate NBA closeout. And in the NBA, you got guys with seven foot wingspans and elite athleticism closing out on you so quickly every time you're in position to take a spot up. So Pat still needs to work on his three point shot. Even if his touch is good, it's about being able to get it off in tight situations. I blame the bulls for this more than I blame Pat because the bulls have not invested in a shooting coach. I think it's an absolute joke that they still don't have anyone on staff dedicated to teaching guys to become better shooters. Every team in the league should have that, let alone a team like the Bulls, who makes so much damn money, who never pays luxury tax. Like, this doesn't count against the luxury tax to spend money on staff. So I'm just going to keep banging that drum all year. That's going to be my thing of the year, hire a shooting coach. I should write something on it so I can just point to it all year. Uh, But in general, I mean, we'll see. I want to see Pat really take a step up in terms of on-ball creation. I think that that's where his upside rests. Him playing with the ball in his hands was the reason he had such a good last regular season game against Minnesota's B team. Him playing with the ball in his hands were sort of where his best flashes were, I think, in the postseason against Milwaukee, even though the Bulls were getting smoked throughout that series. So, Jace, I don't think we're going to be talking about his Drew League highlights as like this meaningful shift. <laughs> in the overall outcome of Patrick Williams as a player. But if Pat still can't score this year, we're going to be like, dude, he only scored 14 in the Drew League. Right. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes, man. He's got a lot of pressure on him. Everyone around the entire league realizes that Patrick Williams has a lot of pressure on him. 
you would think Karnaschovas being, you know, that this is his first draft pick, a guy he invested number four overall in, would be doing everything he can to try to put Pat in the best position to succeed. I don't think the Bulls have done that in terms of how they coached him, how they've developed him organizationally. I'm still pretty bullish on Pat. I think Pat has uh, an awesome package of skills. But and we have to say the injury. Out. The injury obviously was a huge setback last season, and that's why that's hopefully he stays healthy this year. And this could be the year he's got to he's got to make the make a step this year. Third year really important. Again, he has had the setback and he missed a lot of time last year. But uh, guys, I mean, guys make impacts right away in the NBA these days. So it's it's about time. This is the year for Pat. Uh, he's just got to do it. It's basically. Um, to wrap it up here, I guess we do have to give a, we haven't really talked about the sky that much, uh, real quick, the, the sky, I believe the playoffs start next week. It looks like, uh, they are 25 and nine. And I believe they did lose yet. They, I think they got, didn't the storm set some type of record against them yesterday? Storm dropped like 110 yeah. Like 37 assists or some shit, like whatever. But still, even with that loss, the sky are number one in the WNBA. They're 25 and nine game ahead of Las Vegas. Um, Playoffs start next week. Ricky, do you have any, as the Mr. Sky on this podcast, do you have any expectations? Do you think they will repeat? Do you think they sh- they're still favored to repeat? Uh, obviously, like the st- even whatever the storm, storm are 21 and 13, Connecticut's 23 and 11, Vegas 24 and 10. Those are the top four teams there. What, what are your sky thoughts as they approach the playoffs here? Yeah, wow, Jason, just throwing this at me without any prep. You did not let me know we were going to be talking Sky on this. I know. I, I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, isn't, I'm pretty sure their season is coming up to an end. We should probably at least address a first-place Chicago sports team. Of course, here. yeah. I always want to talk Sky. Yeah. So, yeah, the WNBA is really top-heavy this year. There's basically four good teams, and then five, really, once Elena Daladana came back for the Mystics. So EDD back, the Mystics have been awesome. They're up to 20 and 14 now. Yep. Uh, They're the fifth seed, but the sky are on top. Then you got Vegas, Vegas and the sky have been the two best teams all year. And the WNBA doesn't have conferences. So, you know, the two best teams in the league meet regardless of actually they do have conferences, but the postseason isn't split by conference. So that's how to think about it. Like, you know, uh, you're not having the East champion play the West champion. You're just having, you know, the two top seeds on opposite sides of the bracket. Uh, and when I look at the top seeds, I think that like in the first round, the sky are, they still don't know their opponent because there's a huge race. There's basically only one bad team, the Indiana fever. Everyone else is still in the mix for the eighth and final spot in the playoffs. There's 12 teams in the WNBA right now. It would be Atlanta, which would be a pretty tough matchup. Uh, against them, but I would think this guy would win that for sure. Uh, point is, the WNBA playoffs are going to be awesome because it's a top-heavy league. The Sky are loaded. I love the Sky's roster. I love their head coach, James Wade. I think he's brilliant. And it's a veteran roster trying to go back-to-back. They basically check every box that you want from a champion. I believe they have the best net rating in the league. Actually, they don't. They have the third-best net rating. And I guess this is point differential, not net rate. But in terms of point differential, Connecticut, Las Vegas are ahead of them. Okay, so the Sky, of course, famously beat Connecticut in the semifinals last year. Connecticut was the favorite to win the title. They had the MVP, John Quell Jones. And the Sky just owned them. They went undefeated against them this year. I believe it was a four-game sweep. They haven't lost to them since, like, the one game they lost in the semis last year. So I'd feel good about a potential matchup with Vegas. 
Seattle is just so good. Led by Brianna Stewart, maybe the best player in the league. You got Jewel Lloyd, who I always call the Drew Holiday of the WNBA, just like a big, strong, great defensive guard who can also give you buckets. She's really good. Then, of course, you got Super's uh, retirement Super, Super retirement tour. So Seattle would be a tough matchup. And then Vegas, basically, since Becky Hammond has come aboard and they kicked off uh, Liz Cambage, they've just been killing it all year. Kelsey Plum, one of the best guards in the league, former number one overall pick. Asia Wilson, arguably the best player alive. I would say her and Brianna Stewart are the two best players alive, most likely. Uh, you still got Chelsea Gray, Derek Hamby there. So any like second round matchup for the sky is going to be super, super difficult. I'm rooting for them to draw Connecticut because the sky just do a great job of like denying John Quill Jones post position and uh, not letting her get easy touches deep in the paint. They swarm her every time she touches the ball. They do a really good job against her Candace Parker in particular of just like bodying her up, not letting her get the easy bucket she gets against everyone else. I do think a series against Seattle would be so tough or Vegas, but here's the thing about the sky. I love riding with a veteran team in the playoffs. You got Candace and Allie Quigley, who both, of course, from the area, graduated high school a year before I did. They're class of 04 <laughs> in high school out of uh, where Candace went to Naperville North. Allie Quigley went to Julia Catholic. So just having like veterans who have been there before. And then you got Salute. Vandersloot, yeah. who has returned from the concussion. She's been incredible in the games uh, that she's played since returning. She just hit multiple daggers in the fourth quarter against Connecticut in the recent game against them. We know that she's led the league in assists like five years in a row. She's basically the best playmaker in the WNBA. She doesn't get as much credit as she deserves as a scorer, but particularly in crunch time this year, she's been killing it as a scorer. So having Sloot on the ball, I think is just such an advantage for the Sky team. And then you got the new addition, Emma Meesman, who previously played a winning role for a championship Washington Mystics team back in 2019. I heard someone compare her to the Bulls signing Pau Gasol. I think that she influences winning more than Gasol did, but it does kind of make sense. Big body, great scoring touch, slow. But Mies Meesman is awesome. I mean, you have – it's impossible to watch her and not appreciate her game. She's so good on the roll. She is a capable three-point shooter. She hit a big three uh, in the win over Connecticut recently. Uh, you know, just like always knows where to be. High IQ player, shooting touch, tough inside. We love Meesman. And then you got Kalia Copper. Kalia Copper was finals MVP for the Sky last year. You know, she's she may be their fourth best starter. Maybe, ah, she's probably better than Quigley. But like, is she a top 20 player in the league? The point is, I highly recommend having a basketball team that basically starts five all-stars. <laughs> and the Sky have found some solid depth this year, too. Famously with Rebecca Gardner, a 32-year-old rookie out of UCLA, finally got her shot in the WNBA and has been awesome. When I watch her, I think this is how I want Dalen Terry to play. She's just a big, long guard who gets after it defensively, attacks the rim, good passer. You know, she's not going to be like a person who gets you a bucket in a pinch. She's not like a natural point guard, really, in terms of an advantage creator, but she just uses her size so well. Ferocious defense. Love Rebecca Gardner. Watch her come off the bench for this guy. She's been phenomenal. And then you have Ezra Stevens off the bench, too, who I love. I think she has the world's greatest smile. She's always smiling on the court. <laughs> She's a stretch big who hits threes, who blocks shots. She can't really rebound. She reminds me a bit of Jaron Jackson Jr. 
uh, just in terms of her overall package of skills. But to have her as a third big is insane. She'd be starting like anywhere else in the league. At least that's my perception of it. So, you know, having Meesman, Parker, and Stevens off the bench, Stevens off the bench. So that's three people in the front court who can all stretch the floor, who are all pretty tough inside defensively. Uh, you know, have their strengths and weaknesses defensively, but they're all like relatively strong defenders. I think that, you know, the sky of a winning formula, they've been great in crunch time all year. I always trust the sky in the fourth quarter. If you're a gambler, I always bet the sky in the fourth <laughs> because they just know how to win in those close games. And the thing is that last year, Jace, when they entered the playoffs, they were 500 on the year. They had to win two single elimination That's games. Right before they could even make the semifinals against Connecticut, where they were a huge underdog, they end up winning the series. They ditched that format, right? The single elimination format. Yeah. So now the first round is a best of three. That's scary if you're the sky, because, you know, anything could sort of happen in a best of three, but then I believe it goes to best of five after that. So it's going to be a sick playoff run. I love the sky. I think that you got to, really appreciate them while they have this core because they're old. Like yeah. Candace might retire after this year. Ellie Quigley's 36. Vandersloot's like the youngest one and she's like 32 or 33. So appreciate them while they're still around. I assume the rebuild for this guy eventually is going to be painful, but this is the championship window yeah. and they won the title last year. They're going for back to back. They're such a joy to watch. They play with so much purpose on offense, so much pace, so much spacing Wade is truly a brilliant head coach. I would love if he was the head coach of the Bulls. I think he's a significantly better X's nose tactician than Billy Donovan. He's also the GM of the team. And basically every move he's made has been magic. Uh, traded Katie Lou Samuelson, Katie Lou for uh, Ezra Stevens. That was a great move. Obviously convinced Parker to sign here, arguably the biggest free agent signing in WNBA history. So, and then, you know, got Kalia Copper back when they traded EDD to the Mystics, you know, five years ago or whatever it was now. Love the sky. I think we can do it. I think we can go back to all right. get to a game. It's been my mission the last couple of years to drag all my friends to the arena. Have you been to a game, Jason? Uh, not and like I said, I get to, to a go, game. What you know, are you I'm, doing? I, it's, it's so much, it's so much more tough. It's tougher now since I don't live in the city and it would have been, I was going to go. I know that's not really said, how many excuse. kids you got. How many not kids an excuse. You zero. You got zero kids. You yeah. got no excuse, bro. Yeah, no, I, I, I was going to go to a playoff game last year and I can't remember what came up and just like too many excuses. And we'll see about the playoffs this year. Go to uh, a game. Yeah. You'll love it. My buddy Kyle, who often goes to games with me, said that it's like watching the NBA. It's like, you know, watching Major League Baseball in a minor league setting. So it's like the highest product, highest level of product you can get in like a, I think the Winchester Arena is 10,000 seats. And yeah, that stadium gets rocking when the sky get really good. Uh, can't recommend going to a game anymore. Everyone who I've brought to a game has been like, hey, you're right. This is awesome. <laughs> Even if like you don't really know the team or what's going on. So go. It's going to be a bloodbath in the postseason. I mean, <laughs> the league is so top heavy. Anything against Seattle or Las Vegas. I would even say Washington with EDD is going to be so tough. But, you know, I guess this is what it's all about, baby. Competition between the lines. This is the championship window going for back to back. I got full faith in the sky. So get ready. Playoffs are just around the corner. I think there's what three games left in the regular season. Yeah, regular season ends on Sunday. Uh, playoffs start next Wednesday. Two Unfortunately, I, I, would, I if they made it to the finals, I would definitely try to go game. I'm gonna be in Europe for like most of these playoffs. 
we'll see about the first couple rounds, uh, depending on timing and stuff like that. Maybe try to get to win trust. We'll see. But yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, wanted to get some sky talk in there just because they have been so good, and we haven't really talked about that much this season. They are going for back to back. I know you. I know you love watching them. Uh, you are Mister Sky over here, uh, so I wanted to give them some love. Uh, so you got to give love to a first place Chicago team because most of the other teams are garbage, especially because of that. Uh, that's gonna do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to Blur Network. Uh, please go check out all the other great pods all across the network as well. I feel like what we're doing here for us here at cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five star ratings. That helps us out. We're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at bulls underscore J Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky uh, coming up here uh, again. Dead. We're, we're in NBA August, which is dead where you get drew league programs, hot take, dumb hot takes the schedule. We thought maybe that would come out this week. Looks like that. Maybe that might come later. I'm assuming like the schedule makers are in hell right now because of the stuff with the KD stuff and like Mitchell and like they're waiting to see what happens because they, they don't want to, they'd probably prefer to, if KD gets traded somewhere big to like include one of those teams. They don't know, they don't know what to do with the nets. So like, uh, sounds like they're trying to push this off, but who knows when all those situations get, uh, resolved if they do at all, who knows, whatever. Uh, so we'll see when the schedule comes out. Maybe next week, maybe the end of August. Usually they try to do it around in August, I think. So whenever that does happen, we'll obviously talk about it. And if there's anything else that comes up, we'll talk about it. Uh, but besides that, this has been Cash Considerations. Hiables Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.